Hey cuties, this is Deidre C. Just want to give you a pre-intro to let you know when our episode begins, we jump right into it already. You're joining us literally in the middle of the conversation. Enjoy. Hey cuties, this is Deidre C. Hey cuties, it's Jay Nicole. And welcome to the Queen Team Podcast. A, a place, place to, to cultivate, cultivate your queendom. I am my own savior. Yeah. And I, I've heard that like one million times. Um, but just seeing what that, how that, what that means for me. And I've been attracted to two, well, just one. I'll just tell you this last one because I heard it again a couple months ago. There's a scene in Harry Potter. I'm a super Potterhead. Super secret. You're thing a super you Pothead? Potterhead. <laughs> <laughs> you stole it on yourself. I mean. To the community. <laughs> um, so I'm a super Harry Potter fan. And in one of the books, uh, I can't remember now. I think it's book four, three. It's in book three. Um, there is a time. At the very end of the book, super spoiler alert, but these books have been out for umpteen years now, where Harry goes back in time, but with this particular magical power, they may have, they have to make sure they can't see themselves. They can't see themselves. That was experiencing the first time. So you would go through life, and he would go back in time like by two hours, right? Mm-hmm. Or three hours. And so you have to make sure you're avoiding yourself. And so... Um, yeah, I feel like they do that in all the flashbacks. Like, if you see yourself, then it's going to, yes. like... It's going to mess up the time. Time continuum, exactly. and it will and change your whole... Yep. Yeah. So the, the same kind of thing, right? And so there's a part where in his... The first time he experienced this, he was by the side of a lake, and these menacing creatures called Dementors were sucking the life out of him. That's what they do. Um, and that's why they're so nemesing. But... He, in his second time around, came back to, he didn't come back to save himself, but this was the byproduct of him being in this, uh, going around again. He had the ability to say the special spell to banish the Dementors, and it was super strong. And he'd been, through the whole book, he's been struggling with this particular spell. But the first time around, he thought it was an apparition of his dead father coming back to save him. Hmm. And I think that I'm constantly waiting for my savior to, like, when is somebody going to help me through this? When is somebody going to do this for me? When is somebody going to come mm. and take me step by step by step to show me the way? Mm. I already know the effing way. Spoiler alert. Right. And so how can I let my future self help my past self? Or what can I do now mm-hmm. to embrace that power that I know is already there? That's yeah. I mean, it's always been there. But I'm trying to step into that. What do I need to do in order to to really be my own savior in this moment? Um, how can I motivate and move and create momentum and make the right steps the appropriate steps moving forward so that when the time comes it's really redeemed me from where i am now almost i don't have to take it so literal but i feel like i already have this power i know in my mind but it goes back to this fear thing you're talking about like being on the precipice right yeah just have to take that leap and taking that leap, because in this actual story, on his second go-round, he's hiding in the edge of those woods, watching himself have this mm-hmm. happen to him. And he's like, my dad's going to come. He's with another friend. My dad's going to come any moment. Any moment. Let's just wait. He's going to come. He's going to come. And then it dawns on him, oh, shit, it's me. Mm-hmm. This whole time, it was me. I didn't even know it was me. I couldn't recognize that manifestation of myself, that future powerful you know, self. But I have to be able to allow myself in this moment to become that person. Yeah. <sighs> that's easy to say 
Well, you know, if I may offer always my two cents on what you said. Yeah. Um, I feel like what you're saying is very profound. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you even realize that this is what's happening. Yeah. And that you have the power, but you're just afraid to step into it is monumental, first yeah. of all. So clap for yourself for that, Yay. you know, and, and be proud of yourself for that. Mm -hmm. But I understand how you feel because I feel the same way a lot of the times mm -hmm. where I'm waiting for somebody. I'll meet someone and they'll show me exactly how I need to do A, B and C. Right. And then I'll get here. And I've come to learn through my own experiences that unfortunately it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. It is exactly mm -hmm. how you say where we end up rescuing ourselves. Yeah. For me, especially this last week mm -hmm. where I was completely stuck and not really knowing how I wanted to move forward in my business and with I had a lot of blockages with mm -hmm. feeling um, unworthy in a lot of different areas in my life. Mm -hmm. And I just did the very simple thing that God has been telling me to do over and over and over, get yeah. up in the morning yeah. and go outside. Yeah. That's it. So simple, right? That's it. As soon as I went out there, it wasn't this like super deep speaking in tongues, splash me in the face with some water, mm -hmm. throw the the prayer cloth on me moment. It was just, okay, now what, God? Yeah. And then it's poured on me yeah whatever it is that I should be doing yeah and I was writing and writing and writing and mm -hmm. writing and writing and writing yeah so I feel like that's where the breakthroughs come mm -hmm. in those small moments of obedience mm -hmm. in those small moments of surrender mm -hmm. and then just keep doing that every day right and before you know it you will have the whole guidebook yeah it's just given to you one page at a time, sometimes one line at a time. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. given to you in the whole book. Yes. Because I feel like if that happened, you would read it, but it would be in a different language that exactly. you couldn't understand. Right, right. You just don't know the gift that you've been given. You're just like, I can't understand. Let me toss it to the side. Right. Or mm -hmm. it's so big. You know, if you get a big textbook. <laughs> don't even know. Even if it's a long Instagram post. And yeah, you're like, Meh. no. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> don't keep, don't even, not a big textbook. Dude, and you're yeah. out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So God is doing you a favor. Mm -hmm. Just do this one thing today. Dude, well, see, at power, this moment that power. you know what to do. And I do. And like I've been called to, this goes back to oh, S-H-I-T. We've been talking about this week. Mm -hmm. Did Spend, you just cuss? <laughs> I mean, maybe I spilled a cuss. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, be, being invited into silence into quiet mm -hmm. do not fill up every single moment yeah. with a something yeah. whether that's obviously with the children yeah but then also your drives in the car yep <laughs> scrolling through instagram before you fall asleep yep that show that it's always going to be there you do not have to watch it this yep. moment mm. yep these are where the battles are won honey yeah. And I'm not sitting here telling you from like, oh, I'm an expert at no, this. No, you know. Because last week I was on what we call the scroll. Yes. We talked about this in, in the episode with Alicia Hubble. Yeah. Where you're just on the scroll and you're scrolling, you're mm -hmm. scrolling. And I created an unplugged challenge, but then didn't do it. Right. Right. It, it doesn't matter. You could have the knowledge, but yeah. it's, it's, I don't it's know what happens. Practice. And we've talked about bef that before. When do you go from knowing to doing? Because mm -hmm. there's a big space in between where mm -hmm. you know what's the right thing to do. Yes. But you just somehow keep yourself from doing it. Yeah. Some people call it the devil. Some people 
call it laziness. I don't know what mm-hmm. you call it, but right. it's when you figure out how to get from knowing to doing, you've made it. Yes. It's yes. just that simple. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now when you hang up this podcast mic, <laughs> what it is that you need to do for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And you got it. You it's either. And I feel like that verse in the Bible where it says, choose life or death. That's mm-hmm. all that it is mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. moment. Choose life for yourself. Yeah. Do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to raise my hand and say, I'm going to do that, too, because I can go home and turn on my TV. I don't have my kids today mm-hmm. and I can veg out on the TV Yeah. or I can go home and write mm-hmm. and get this stuff off onto paper that I know I'm supposed to, that people are waiting and desperately needing to hear mm-hmm. these things that I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. Knowing to doing, knowing to doing, knowing to doing. I think that's hard. I think that's a mindset change. Oh uh, yeah. It's definitely a mindset change and that's not easy. Just like working out isn't easy. Like changing mm-hmm. your habits aren't mm-hmm. easy. And uh, that's, I think that we've seen that also kind of play out this week in um, not necessarily just social media but in our current events in our culture like we know that we're supposed to treat everybody kindly we know that everybody's of value we know that no one is better than the other (laughs) yet still in our regular lives and in our world around us people are still treating people differently in a really foul and nasty way sometimes yeah and so just two weeks ago there was a starbucks debacle in philadelphia yeah and this last week, there were the two Waffle House events that happened, which crazy go nuts. There were two. Wait, there were two Waffle House events? Two Waffle House events on the same day. What? I thought there was only one. Oh, my gosh. So this is what I wanted to discuss. So one is where uh, James Shaw uh, intercepted a shooter, a white shooter yeah. at a Waffle House who shot four people, just open fired with a shotgun. On the same day, that was at a Waffle House in Tennessee. On the same day, at a Waffle House in Alabama. Did you not hear about this, Deidre? I maybe <laughs> thought it was all the same event. Oh no! So the it was on the same day in a different state, also at a Waffle House. Shakisha, she was at a Waffle House, and um, she might have been a little inebriated, but was the police were called on her and she had no weapon she had nothing oh and they pulled her down to the ground pulled her boobs out okay i did hear about that yeah um but i didn't connect the dots yeah that it was the waffle uh, waffle house i just heard the bits and pieces of it Mm -hmm. oh on the same day in a different state and a lot of people have been comparing and contrasting those two experiences um that the white shooter got away that he was taken into custody nothing he wasn't i mean he was apprehended obviously but there was no violence around his arrest or on how he was treated and this woman came in she from what i've read uh their account some accounts say that she was threatening to come back um with with dangerous weapons but in the moment she had nothing there was no weapons present and they came in and manhandled her manhandled her they Told her they were going to break her arm. Like you said, her boob, her boob came out because she's wearing like a tube top. Um, and she might have been being, she might have been a little belligerent, but still, I, I don't mean, think that is, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't think that's an excuse for the, how, you know, these two different events. Deidre, I don't know if you've seen that video where this white cop is trying to arrest another white man. 
It yeah. was just him and the cop. And the white man can uh, starts to wrestle with the cop. And they're wrestling. I mean, and they sped up this video. So it had to right. be like a minute or two of wrestling. Yeah. Then the guy gets in the police car and drives away or something to that effect. He's hitting the cop, all kinds of stuff. And it's just like, how is it possible that we are seen as such a threat when the exact same thing happens and even worse with a white person and it's seen as, oh, he's just behaving badly to bring it back to what happened with the shooter and how he's taken down. I feel like that's the way the police should take down the suspect. Mm -hmm. We don't have to kill people just because they kill people. Right. Okay. If you can disarm and take him into custody and Mm -hmm. let him serve the rest of his natural life in prison, Mm -hmm. then that's to me the best result. Mm -hmm. Let Mm -hmm. him sit and think and feel bad every day and feel like he's in prison instead of being killed. And you know, Mm -hmm. now no one ever thinks about you again. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like that that was a good thing that they did. What the problem is, is that they're not doing that with us. No, no. And what the bigger problem is, is that people continue to say, well, I don't treat people that way. And I don't feel, um, and I have a couple of black friends and I've never did this and I've never seen that. To me, that's where the problem lies. Well, I mean, that's that that is basically everything that's wrapped up with white privilege and even this white supremacist mindset that not just white people have. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it gets my goat because I know we live in an imperfect world. But going back to even the the episode that happened at Starbucks, these two yeah. gentlemen were sitting, sitting peaceably, peace, peaceably waiting for a friend to meet them. Yeah. And I go to Starbucks regularly yeah. for the exact same reason. Yeah, exactly. And so I they, was there yesterday. Yeah. And so they asked, one guy asked to use the restroom. She said, no, it's only for, for um, paying customers. So I was doing a little reading and there is no uh, across the board policy for Starbucks, whether restrooms are for paying customers or not. But particularly, this was happened to be their thing. And he said, okay, he, he wasn't, there was not a big deal about yeah. it. He just wanted to sit down. He was continuing to wait. And before they knew it, they saw these police out of the corner of their eye. And then these police were approaching them. Yeah. And then they ended up arresting these two gentlemen. Did who, you see the video? I, I mean, not the video, I, but the interview that they did. I didn't see the interview. Okay. Go ahead. Um, no, I just, I can't watch. <laughs> I don't, not that I couldn't watch an interview, but I yeah. cannot watch videos of the incidents as they're happening. Yeah. That's because we all have cameras in our hands. But yeah. they went peaceably is what I heard. And even then, still the person they were going to meet, um, a young white professional, met them and I was asking why, what's going on. But even then, they didn't get released and they didn't get released till midnight. What? And I didn't know that. they were in there that. all day long. And I'm just like, what the? Well, why were they being arrested? Because when I heard the interview. Yes. Um, and I think I caught the middle of it mm-hmm. um, when uh, I don't remember the who interviewed them, but she's a prominent news reporter, a newscaster, black woman with really short hair, mm-hmm. pretty brown skin. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, she was saying that and asking, what did they even get arrested for? And mm-hmm. they said they were not read their uh, Miranda rights. Mm-hmm. They were just arrested. Like, you have to tell them why they're being arrested. Exactly. And then you have to read them their rights. Mm -hmm. So that just tells you right there, we have no rights and you have no just cause. Yeah. 
You just pretty much put it out there for everyone to see, listen, they had no just cause Mm -hmm. and they had no rights. And that is how we are seen Mm -hmm. every day by almost everybody. Yeah. Even if you say, oh, well, I don't treat people this way or I don't act that way. It's happening too much for people to continue to say that. Yeah. You are a part of the problem if you don't recognize it and you don't try to do something about it. My favorite phrase to hate is love is colorblind. Mm -hmm. And I hate that phrase because if you cannot see my color, that means you cannot see me Mm -hmm. as a person. I pride myself on really being able to hold space for others, but to help people feel deeply seen. Mm -hmm. And even though I have brown skin or I have short hair or curly hair or whatever, and that doesn't affect who my essence is you need to understand and embrace the differences we have that that is those are also good things that those are also of value because I have this different perspective because of my brown skin and if you cannot see me for a person then you're sure as heck not going to be able to hear me when I have uh, a version of my story to tell or want to understand me when I am trying to stand up for what is right or speak on behalf of others I just feel that that is just futile. Don't tell me love is colorblind. I think love of of itself, it does surpass and help us go beyond and help us to see and gives us more grace and forgiveness and unity than we could ever imagine. But it is not blind. But love is also just. Yes. In a perfect world. Love is also just. Love is fair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's... Stop saying that love is blind. And if that's what you feel, then that's what you feel. But let's take that off and park it and have several seats with that. And let's drive off with love is just. And if you really love someone, if that was your kid Mm -hmm. who got shot, Mm -hmm. if that was your kid that got arrested until midnight, Mm -hmm. if that was your kid who your granddaughter who was in the backseat seeing their dad get shot Mm -hmm, along with mm -hmm. their mother who's terrorized, they will be terrorized for life. Mm -hmm. If that was your son out there buying cigarettes or walking or having their hoodie on, I'm sorry, you would be uh, screaming justice all day, not love Mm -hmm. is blind. So maybe if enough white people start saying, let's have some justice, then there would be some. Yeah. But I'm tired of people people saying, well, you guys kill each other in the streets. You guys do this. You guys do that. Yeah, we all have work to do. Oh, definitely. You do your work and we'll do ours. This is like interpersonal responsibility. Right. Everybody has a responsibility for their own actions and then how they want to move in this world. And so I feel like this where it kind of also kind of goes back to, I've heard the phrase several times, self-care is an act of resistance. Mm. And making sure that I am my best self, not just for me, not just as an example to my children, but that I have the strength and the fortitude to go out there to speak on behalf of others to help, if I'm really pouring into myself and getting all my patients, help educate those who are just like, but is there really a problem? Yeah. I deeply want to be part of the solution, but of course the solution starts. It starts at home. With me. In your yeah. own body. Yes. And yes. I wrote a quote today and it might be easier if you saw it, mm-hmm. but it's the letter U. It's the letter U in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. 
is the best part of the word you, Y-O-U. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. You are your own savior. Yes. You are your own solution. And you are the best part of your life. Yes. So take responsibility for your own mindset, mm-hmm. for your own thought process, mm-hmm. for your own healing. Yes. And realize that, yes, you are a part of the solution. Uh-huh. As an individual and as a culture, we have our work to do as a as black folks and y'all have your work to do as white folks. Right. And we both have to work together yes. to make it happen. No, it's agreed. not about us stop killing each other in the streets and it's not about you stopping uh, to be racist. We all have our work to do. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You reminded me of an Instagram post that I came across or maybe it was some sort of, I love Instagram. But with the new stories, because they're gone in 24 right. hours, sometimes it's hard to find the information that you come across. And I came across this information from this woman who is an incredible author and speaker and motivator and really helps to foster this idea of moving into the most genuine space mm-hmm. um, and moving from your most authentic place and really to face the truth head on and dead on. Is there really a difference between those two? <laughs> it's okay. I do that all the time. Yeah. I feel like you have to you like use and or I put three words together. It has to be but bup and bup. Yes, yes. I I love that. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> um, anyway, so her name is Glennon Doyle, and Glennon Doyle uh, created this uh, wonderful platform called Momastery. But she also, again, in her own right, outside of Momastery, is such an advocate for uh, justice and truth in our culture today. And she is a white woman. All of that saying, all of that to be said is. I recently saw a post somewhere on Instagram um, where she, oh, huh, it's right there. Yay. It's right there. Uh, Where she is, in an article that she wrote for The Cut um, about calling out white women and asking them to take up their own gauntlet to speak on behalf of those who aren't being seen, who aren't being heard. Right. And... I'm going to read the post. It says, now that this gorgeous, hilarious, brilliant article has been written, I finally have something to hand my kids and say, read this. This is the story of your mom and her warrior community and what they are doing in the world. This is what matters. Thank you to Anne Friedman for being so wise and careful to whip, smart and kind. Thank you, The Cut, for publishing nuanced articles about nuanced issues and people. Y'all, we can do hard things. We keep proving it. I'm proud of us. And so this article, I haven't read it myself yet. I just found out about it recently. It is just full of the reasons we need to stand up for this particular civil right, even though, quote unquote, the civil right era was 50 years ago. Right. Um, we are still facing some of those same issues, but now in a more nuanced and more. It's just mo- more covert. It's still yes. happening. Yes. Exactly. You know, so instead of hanging us from a tree, they're just shooting us in the back in our grandmother's backyard. Right. It's crazy. Go nuts. And I need somebody to come from the side and say, say that, sis. Say that, <laughs> sis. Well, definitely. You know, and say that to help us help our voices get heard, help our stories get seen. Yeah. Um, and you see you mentioned hanging. It reminded me of, have you heard about this new monument that is up? I don't even know where it's located. This is how little I actually pay attention to current events, but I was paying attention to this. There is a new monument, a new memorial or museum for lynching to wow. honor those who've been lynched. And so it, the exhibit that I've seen just in pictures looks pretty incredible from a few different people who've, oh, who've been there because it just opened up this week. 
from lynching to shooting us in the back, but also being denied certain health care rights, pumping us with artificial everything so Mm -hmm. that we have diseases. And they're not just doing it to us. But who's in every McDonald's commercial? Hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Who is in every McDonald's commercial? Even their slogan, ba da ba ba ba. That's a black, that's a nigger catching slogan. You just said nigger on a black. I did. That's because they're trying mm-hmm. to catch a nigger. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not what I am, mm-hmm. but that's what they think we are. Right. And they're trying to catch us. That's why I use that word. I didn't say nigger, I said nigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's just be real. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was pretty much the point of lynchings in the past anyway. Right. And I did find it. It's in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. Um, and it it looks like it'd be so powerful and so moving to witness and walk through this particular exhibit. I cannot only imagine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Since we're on this tangent, I have big hopes and aspirations to... my originally from the Maryland, D.C. area. Okay. And my... I moved away almost seven years ago. And in that time, since we've been in California, during the Obama era, the Martin Luther King Monument was opened, created mm-hmm. and opened. And I've not visited there yet since it's come to be. And the other thing that opened last year, no, the la- two years ago now, I also haven't visited, is the Black History Museum. Mm-hmm. I have like a date with myself to go there the next time I'm in the area because... It is, I have always enjoyed going through uh, the different exhibits and free museums, but this one just seems so powerful, especially for me, I think, in this time in my life. Yeah. Like all areas I'm awakening and moving into my power. And so I cannot wait to go. I wish you could come with me. Oh my gosh. I can't. I won't. It. It's too painful for me. I, yeah. I connect too much to it. Mm-hmm. And I can f- literally like feel and see and hear, mm-hmm. and I can't. I can't go to things like that. I can't watch videos mm-hmm. of bad things happening to people, even animals, because it just it hits me to the core, and mm-hmm. it it does something to me. Yeah. Um, but well, I can you're... only imagine. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you'll tell me about it, but yeah, I can't. I can't do it. No, I will tell you. I'll tell you all about it. Oh, so our opening discussion was so racially charged. We're going to kind of see how these racial dynamics play out in an interpersonal way in our Queen's Chambers. Welcome. So welcome to the Queen's Chambers, cuties. Earlier, Deidre and I were discussing topic ideas and interracial couples came up, marriages, even uh, down to adoption came up. Because we see that we're a melting pot in this country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as much as we want to say we're all one human race, which is true, we do see ourselves as different based on how much melanin we have and based on our culture. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wanted to discuss how the different cultures and the different melanations. (laughs) I don't know if that's a word. It is now. (laughs) (laughs) How melanations, you know, uh, affects our relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, um, when it comes to dating, there is a double standard between mel- highly melanated men dating, not highly melanated women, mm-hmm. black women dating other races. Uh-huh. And so 
my personal experience is I don't have a problem with it, but I feel like it comes down to why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like it happens more often with black men going outside. And my opinion is that they do that because of self-hatred and because of problems that they see with black women that we're either too loud, that we're um, not submissive, that we're not easy to please, that we're pretty much just like a headache and a chore. Mm -hmm. And that when they go outside, they find themselves, they find it easier to be themselves, to be validated as a man, to be, uh, I would say, put on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like it's like, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and what that relates to me is your family thinking you're the shit. And I mean that in a way is like if you go outside to other people that are not in your family, you maybe explain who you are and what you're about yeah. and they don't really know who you are. Yeah. They're going to think that you're so great. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the difference is we know we know who you are (laughs) like stop tyrone you not over here fooling anybody you're really not as great as you say you are you Mm -hmm. just are an exhibit for them to praise Mm -hmm. and you're Mm -hmm. playing yourself Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day even though we do have our hang-ups because of what we've been through just like you have your hang-ups because of what you've been through yes and your mama probably took you through some mess because of what she got taken through Mm mm-hmm Instead of saying, well, I'm going to reject these women because they act like this. Maybe you should heal yourself and find somebody else who's healed and Mm -hmm. you guys can continue healing each other because I don't think healing ever stops. Oh, no. I feel like it's continuous. Yeah. And a little sidebar, I feel like all relationships help you to heal yourself a little bit more when they're healthy. Right. So mm -hmm. absolutely. So I feel like. If you're just bopping around in life and you're a whole healed person and you happen to run into another whole healed person Mm -hmm. who is not your same melanation, Mm -hmm. then that's one thing. But I feel if you're bopping around life and you're unhealed Mm -hmm. and you're hurt and you consciously make decisions that turn unconscious to not date women who look like you, I feel like that's a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you're rejecting yourself Mm -hmm. and you're playing yourself. And what that leaves us with as black women, because we're the lowest on the totem pole for everything. Oh my gosh. When it comes to income, when it comes to um, the way that we're treated. I mean, any area that you want to look at that is important, health care. When it comes to uh, uh, rates of death, I can't think of any examples readily. um, Well, there's maternal mental health and things like that, but yes. Everything, we're at the bottom. And now we're at the bottom in our own culture, mm-hmm. our own men don't want us. Yeah. And so where does that leave us? Okay, well now I have to consider other options. Well, I don't really want to consider another option. Mm-hmm. Listen, fellas, we like you. <laughs> we want you. We adore you. But what we don't like and what we don't want and what we don't adore is being treated badly because you are not healed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what you're saying. I really think that you're saying that you don't like the way that we treat you because we're not healed. Mm-hmm. So I'm raising my hand and I'm saying, hey, you know what? I've been there. I haven't been healed. I've been really messed up. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. So I know that eventually because... 
I'm in a healthy place that I will be with somebody and require somebody who is also also in a healthy place. And I feel like that yes. should be your narrative. Yeah, the priority is to be with a person who is healthy. Right. Yes. Yeah. That should be your prayer instead of going out there playing around with mm-hmm. whomever. Mm-hmm. Again, don't get me wrong. If you are genuinely attracted, do you? Mm-hmm. I, I love it. But I don't feel like it's a coincidence when I look out and we look at statistically who's out there marrying and making babies with and giving a life to mm-hmm. other when uh, 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 as opposed to other cultures yeah. going out there making a life. When I was on that website I mentioned last episode, I was on Plenty of Fish for about a week or so. Mm-hmm. I had a guy who was from India oh, wow. contact me and I asked him, I said, you have you dated a black woman before? And he said, yes. And I said, did you grow up here in this country? He said, no, I've been here for a few years. And I'm like, mm-hmm. your family is not going to accept me. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me being black. It's about me not being someone who can carry on their culture, their traditions, and mm-hmm. their religion. Mm-hmm. And let's just be real. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. Finding somebody who will carry on your culture or your traditions your traditions and your religion. Yeah. If you believe in religion, if you mm-hmm. are religious. Right. Right. So I'm not, I know I'm going to, I've on, I'm on a tangent right. here. Take that tangent. But I really, I see, I call bullshit. And I feel like a lot of the times when our men are out there dating others, it's on some bullshit, not on some real love. Now for those who are on the real love, do you keep loving, but keep those who loving. are not, you need to step back and, and, and take some time to do some self-reflection and really, and I feel like it doesn't matter what facet of life we're on. Everybody needs to take the time to ask themselves why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do I think this way? Why do I have friends? Why am I friends with these people? Why do I work here? Mm-hmm. Why do I think this is important? Why do I eat this food? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you probably, most of the stuff you're doing is probably not healthy. Yeah. I mean, just moving with intention, right? Right. With anything you do. Being self-aware. So I'm having saying have a, a self-awareness month or something. <laughs> I feel like we should all like have a break from work and school and everybody just have self-awareness month. Maybe we can coordinate it with that, that time that Starbucks is going to do there. <laughs> their 8,000 store-wide educational moment. Uh, but as you were talking, I was looking up some statistics and there's a website called blackdemographics.com. And under the black interracial marriage... It has a statistic um, from 2017 uh, how many black black married men and black married women have married outside of the race. Mm -hmm. And so um, we'll link this in the show notes as well. But according to these statistics, which is based on the U.S. Census Bureau, it says here that 409, sorry, it says that 409,000 black men have married a white spouse it says specifically white or other yes this is particular this is specifically white okay and that was for men okay uh then 172,000 black women have married a white spouse Mm. 162,000 black men have married a hispanic spouse 82,000 women have married a hispanic spouse and then there is about 130,000 black men that reported having a different a spouse of a different ethnicity mm-hmm. or now other spouse and then 53,000 black women have reported marrying 
um, a different ethnicity out of white and Hispanic. Interesting stuff. That pretty much uh, solidifies (laughs) everything I just said. Uh, Pretty much. And that's why that and it's been going on and I've been noticing it since I was a teenager. And that's why I'm angry. Mm -hmm. I went to L.A. this weekend. I talked about it last uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. I went to see Quest Love Mm -hmm. uh, because he wrote a book uh, about being a creative. And I'm definitely a creative person. Mm -hmm. And when I looked into the audience, I'm like, where's all the black men? And they were there with Susie, Sally and Tracy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I saw me. And two other beautiful black women, mm-hmm. beautiful, chilling by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's all of their fault. I'm not no. saying it's all of our fault, but I'm just saying there, this has to be addressed mm-hmm. and discussed. Mm-hmm. Like that's terrible. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying yeah. they were single. I know only know my position, right, right? But this is what I see all the time. And so what does that continue to tell you? Right that yeah. I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy. If that's right. what you want to accept, right. yeah. I, I, when you, when you have to fight that every day, I'm not good enough on my job. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough on this interview. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough to my man. I'm not good enough for my kids mm-hmm. that you want to get away from me. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's really hard to combat really that. Yeah. Oh, I guess you can talk now. Well, thanks. Thanks. I just, I don't even know. Like I, and I was, what I was actually trying to look for as you're talking and I've just heard this uh, in general, that there are just a lot more single black married women, single black married women. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because we end up marrying ourselves. You have to come up with these mantras. I'm independent. Don't nobody want to be alone. Right. Don't nobody want to be independent. You want to be with somebody, yeah. but you got to say, yeah. well, nobody's coming around. So I guess yeah. I got to just be with myself. Right. Right. I guess I got to do this all me. I got to raise these kids. I got to make this money. Mm-hmm. I got to pay these bills. I got to do all this by myself. Mm-hmm. And maybe somebody will come around, maybe. But mm-hmm. by then, I'm already like jaded. Well, that, yeah. Or very well established, which can also be. Yeah. That also gets in the very way. Very daunting to somebody, a black man or any man who's just like, but I want to help you. But now this person or this woman has kind of created we've already a space rescued. We've to, already done it all. What, exactly. what can you do now? Exactly. Um, and so it's just and they're just as all things. When you learn something new, you have to do the unlearning first. So that woman has to take the time to unlearn right. how to how to not not take care of herself. But she has to unlearn how, and yeah. be open to accepting right. Give a new space person. to somebody That's else right. to be there for you. Exactly. Because my daddy wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. My mama probably wasn't there for me. And I'm not saying this is my narrative. I'm saying this is the narrative of some, some many of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really in, out here in this world by myself. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys, mm-hmm. the men are, feel that way too. Mm-hmm. You guys feel like you're alone. But mm-hmm. we don't have to be alone. No. no. We can help each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it's, it's been my story and my, uh, my experience hearing stories reading statistics and that's i can't find the statistics in this moment but and then even from my friend group yeah that a lot of my friends that i graduated from high school with or went to early college with it is now in our mid to late 30s that they're finding partners that they're getting married or not at all yeah and that's not even that super likely but just took them a little longer yeah and it's disheartening but you know, women are, we, you know, we are resilient and we're amazing and we're strong and we're all the things that you just said. And that can be daunting and threatening um, to certain men. And so fi- finding a healthy space for yourself and then 
finding a partner who's also doing that work to become healthy and stay healthy. It's, I think it's just really could rule the world when you're in that space. So anyway, that's kind of all the things that I feel like I have to say or share um, on this particular topic. I'm sure that there's more inside my spirit, but uh, for time's sake, (laughs) as much as you want to revel in the queen's chambers, it is really, really an interesting topic that I'd, I'd love to delve into more, perhaps in future episodes. For sure. Yeah. I think the other thing that we really wanted to touch on, there's that meritorial and the romantic relationship when it comes to the intersectionality of ethnicity and racism. But then there's also the question about, like, what does that look like when families, especially families of a majority culture, are adopting and parenting children of minority culture or especially black culture? What does it really look like for white parents to adopt black babies? And all of my personal experience is just based on families that I have known, especially growing up, and observing them as they invite and welcome these children into their home. My super very dear friend, her family consists of, I think there was seven or nine girls in their family. And it was a blended family. Her father had been married and had some children and then married her mother, had a couple other children. And then they adopted two African-American girls. That's, they had been uh, in relationship with the mother uh, in the beginning and then took the, her daughters in and the f- way that I came to know this is when I met my friend in college and I wanted you know I wanted to get my hair done for like a special event or something like that mm-hmm. and she my super amazing yet very white friend um, gave me some corn rolls and helped my hair like she was uh, she was on point now I don't even know how to do that let mm-hmm. me be 100 <laughs> percent honest if you want to revoke my black card, feel free. <laughs> but I, I can't do hair. My daughters get one, two, or three ponytails. <laughs> That's it. Um, but she she made my hair look so super amazing. And it was it was really beautiful. And I was very pleased. But I asked her, like, how did you learn how to do this? What are you talking about? Like, how did you how did you come to know this? And this is the this is how I found out more about her family. And since then we've been friends now for oh my gosh, almost twenty years. It's been a long time. But they also grew up, she, they grew up in a town that I'm not sure what the ethnical diversity is where they live, but um, but they had to come to know how to comb these little girls' hair when they were little because now, of course, the girls are grown um, and really take care of them and then foster this sense of uh, self-worth and moving in this world. And what does that mean to move as a black person in a majority culture? But the girls now are independent and what I would consider from knowing them um very grounded and wise and smart and responsible um but it just makes me wonder what happens to other families who aren't as woke who aren't Mm -hmm. trying to be as intentional um that just always is a question i know that there's again research and articles and things that are out there um but i don't know i think that there's two sides to look at this Mm -hmm. we can look at it as okay Uh, white people see a need and they want to fulfill it yes and we can look at it as okay that's not the whole picture though Mm -hmm. because you have to consider that raising a child who is not white in a world that is white Mm -hmm. you could leave them unprepared for their reality right which is that you live in a world that is controlled by white folks. Yeah. And 
just bringing them in to give them a better life. And y'all can't see me putting up quotation marks. <laughs> but is it really better? It's better in some ways, but then you've stunted them in other ways. Yes. So I feel like if you do feel compelled to, if, if white people do feel compelled to adopt black children or even uh, uh, Hispanic children, then you have to be intentional about exposing them and creating a space where they're going to have a picture of what their reality is going to be. Like our white parents sitting down with their black kids and telling them when you get pulled over by the cops for being melanated, Mm -hmm. this is what you do. When you go out there to Mm -hmm. date and when you go out there to just live your life, Mm -hmm. this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Are those conversations happening? Yeah. Are you keeping them looking nice, uh, combing their hair? Are you introducing them to other people in the community that look like them so that they can learn how to relate? Because you can't teach them that. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would equate that to men, uh, like a, a gay couple adopting girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that could even be controversial, but I think everyone has to recognize there's just some things that those men, I'm not saying that Gay marriage is wrong. We're not going to go there. We're not, this that's is not, not that that's topic. not that topic. Right. What I'm saying is, is that you cannot relate to these girls and you have to introduce some other women into their life who mm-hmm. can fulfill their needs because you cannot. Yeah. And I feel like you are doing white people are doing the black kids a disservice if they are not aware that that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you feel compelled to do that, or if they feel compelled to do that who to whomever I'm speaking to, I feel like there has to be an awareness, like your friend that you mentioned, mm-hmm. that, hey, I can't give these kids what they need, so I have to find somebody else. Same yeah. thing with the single mom. You've yeah. got to know, I, right. I am not mommy and yep. daddy. And it really angers me when single women get on on Father's Day and be like, well, I'm the mama and the daddy. No, you're not. You're not their daddy. Mm-hmm. You're not a man mm-hmm. and you cannot meet their needs. Mm-hmm. And you are doing your children a disservice if you do not get out there and find some man to be in their life. Yes. It's all the same. Right. I mean, it just goes back to creating a community. Right. And the need for that in all areas of our life, no one person or even no family unit was meant to do life by themselves. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm, that's a topic. Well, that's not just a topic. I feel like it's a series. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that, definitely. That's, how do we get back to building a tribe? Right. And, and how and the importance of doing it. And we were not meant to live this life alone, which even goes back to our previous conversation before we came into the chambers is if we are being intentional about creating a community, even if it's a transcultural Sorry. How are we being intentional about creating a community, even if it is cross-cultural, inviting in and listening deeply and seeing people and meeting people right where we are yeah. so that we can really understand that these people, regardless of what they look like externally, they are people. They have feelings. We cannot make prejudice or assumptions about them because of this particular physical characteristic or this particular way of speaking or this particular way of conducting themselves. I feel like community and having that sense of true deep community helps to break down barriers mm-hmm. or in a different way to say it, it's building bridges to connect us together right. so we can learn from one another. So we really can start moving towards in a positive way this idea of also in quotes 
one race. Yeah. Um, and But that's not going to happen just because. Because really yeah. a lot of these things are constructs or ideas we make up in our mind. Yeah. Racism is a, contra- is a construct. Race itself is a construct. Um, which is just ideas. And we live by these invisible walls and guidelines, which now have turned into... Getting well, we shot in the now. back in your grandmother's backyard. Right. You know, this, but that was a long time ago. They created this mindset. And now what do we do to relinquish that mindset? Well, we have to now on a one-on-one basis or a small group basis, break down those barriers by creating community. And um, you were talking about this and <laughs> I came across this article in Time Magazine about the realities of raising a kid of a different race and um, what they're calling it transracial adoption. And as it becomes common, they're talking more about what needs to be done and how we can, how families who are especially of the majority culture, how can they bring awareness to their children uh, who are different cultures and different races and ethnicities. And so in, within the article, some myths are addressed. Um, One of the myths, color doesn't matter. Like, if I talk to my kids about race, I'm just creating an issue. That's actually something that I used to subscribe to, but that's one of my kids were super small. And I feel like maybe this is not the time at two years old to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but um, what is the other? Uh, let me yeah. interrupt you. Mm-hmm. I even struggle to tell my kids about race. Yeah. Because yeah. my kids have seen me be upset about something or uh, I can't think of a direct example, but telling my daughter Okay, I can't think of an example. Yes. This week, yes. Ooh, this is good. Yes. This week, my daughter came home with a book on what's the president on the hundred dollar bill? Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, he's Benjamin. Yeah, all about the not, Benjamins, baby. Yes, yeah, yes, okay. But he's that, not a president. He wasn't he a wasn't? president. Mm-mm. He was just one of the founders. He sat with them. Um, he was. Ooh, there. I am so. See, I don't care about Congress. this country. I am not a patriot. <laughs> I did not know that. I'm sorry. I'll raise my hand. I thought Benjamin Franklin I... was the damn president. He did discover electricity in addition to being there and signing the Declaration of Independence, but no. All right. I thought only the uh, presidents were on the money, but okay. I just learned something today. And maybe you did too. Maybe you did not know that. And I will raise my hand and say, I did not know that. That's all right. (laughs) Create that space. You you just a sidebar. Alexander Hamilton, also not a president. Yes, that I did know. But he's not on the money. Yes, he is. He is? What money is he on? $5 bill, I believe. No. Okay, we'll come back to that. You you Google it. I don't think Alexander Hamilton is on the five. I think somebody else is. Uh, no, it's, it's Lincoln on the five. Yeah, Lincoln's on the five. Alexander Hamilton's on the, on the $10 bill. Nobody uses tens. That's in a... Okay, <laughs> <laughs> got no, no, no damn $10 bill. You ain't got no tens. <laughs> Have you guys ever been to them ATMs? Them, them, uh, this is true. Them uh, <laughs> college yeah. ATMs where they give you a 10 because they know your ass is broke? I, no, I went to a school <laughs> where they would give $5 bills. I, I got five yes. on it. <laughs> Girl, for real. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyway. So... Now that we've all just been schooled by Miss Deidre C over here, Miss <laughs> PhD, homeschool oh mom extraordinaire, God, okay, get this. your life, okay, because I just got mine, that my daughter came home with a book about uh, Benjamin, mm-hmm. I'll call him Mr. Ben, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to do a, like, they were supposed to do a biographical report on this person, and I said, absolutely the F, you know, you're not. Gonna okay. do a report on him when there's all of these beautiful black women who you can do a report on, and I don't she even. She could have signed it, or did she pick it? 
it doesn't matter. Right. No, it doesn't. Literally. It doesn't matter. You're just so unaware that yeah. this little black girl needs to see. How come you don't have any books in your library mm -hmm. at the school mm -hmm. that would interest her? Mm -hmm. That's my problem. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. no, I said no. And I said, I don't I didn't think her teacher would have a problem with it. But even if she did yeah. I, or the school had a problem with me changing it like maybe they had to pick a school pick I'm, I'm sorry maybe they had to pick a book from the school mm -hmm. but i said regardless you're going to do this project on a black woman yeah because i bought that book what was that book by vashti uh-huh i can't remember it's called we're, we'll gonna, link link it. we're gonna link it because the book is amazing she's an illustrator on facebook uh, 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 excuse me she's an illustrator and i follow her on instagram her name is vashti i can't remember her last name but she uh made wrote and illustrated a book that highlights maybe little leaders black sorry bold women in black history okay and maybe it's like 50 women as a lot of women maybe 50 or more is she she really Fashtai went to town Harrison. link in the show notes she went to town on that book and i was like you're gonna pick somebody from this book mm -hmm. and she ended up picking uh phyllis wheatley oh I dressed up as Phyllis Wheatley and I my could see school you doing that in third totally. grade, maybe second or third grade. My mom made me a <laughs> dress and a hat and because my mom, we had this thing every year. Sorry, totally digressing. You know, we're on a tangent because um, we're women and that's yes, what we do. That's what we do. And so like we every day we had this like this leader's day and yeah. people would get dress up and you would sign up and you have to give like a short presentation about this particular person in history that you dressed up as. And I dressed up as Phyllis Wheelie. I could even see my dress in my mind. It was blue and white with that's a little so hat. Cool. And I don't think I recited a poem of hers but i was i had no idea who phyllis wheatley was but mom was like nope you gotta go as a black right. woman I'm like okay and i feel you like say. that's what we have to do um, no and and so to bring it full circle yes. no you have to write this report about this woman mm -hmm. and i'm saying that to say i don't believe that this is what's happening in these homes where these white people are adopting the black kids they're just gonna right. let them skip through life la-di-da learning about benjamin franklin Learning about all these people who matter, but mm -hmm. we matter too. Yes, yes, we do. And yes, we do. And you have to have and statistics. Like you could probably find them studies that show that you feel like you can achieve more when you see people like you who have achieved. Oh my goodness! Yes, this is why representation matters. And the, the only way I say it with that tone of voice is because I feel like I hear it all the time, over and over and over again. And it really does. Now, what was it that I was just watching recently? I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do that too. I can't even remember what it was, something recently. But again, tangent, which is why I feel like I have to, as a black doula in our community, yeah. stand up, speak out, be present, and show that we, as black women, need these services. And we have black faces representing and being able to give these services to black families. Absolutely. However, Sidebar. if you really want to go off on a super duper tangent... <laughs> We were the ones who were doulas oh my and gosh, breastfeeding yes. and doing all of this holistic mm -hmm. self-care yeah. in the beginning. We're the yeah. ones who taught the white people how to do it. Well, or we were there by their sides ushering them through these experiences. Like, seriously, I mean, I don't, how far back in history do you want to go? Oh, I'm well, yeah. I mean, mm. we're the one who taught everybody how to do everything and had all the resources. 
So, I mean, I kind of see where the jealousy comes from. It's not our fault. We didn't choose. We didn't choose to be this cool. And we didn't choose to be magic. That, you talk to your God about that. That's not that wasn't my choice to be oh this amazing. In conclusion, for me, because <laughs> if we don't say in conclusion, we're going to keep going. So we're going to conclude. I'm going to say my conclusion. You're going to say your conclusion. Yes. Yes. For me, in conclusion, when it comes to marriage and relationships, date who you want to date, but from a healed place. That's as short as the sweet as I can Dude. get it. Well, and I, mean, I feel like yeah. your choice may change if you are healed. And just to echo that sentiment, um, there is no way that you can be of strong value if you're not of value to yourself mm -hmm. and you don't find that value within yourself and whatever that takes to move to that place. And let me tell you, detox physically is not hard, is not easy. Detox emotionally is not easy. Uh, and then detox mentally is also not easy. So doing that work and then not, and finding a space to have grace and patience with yourself. And then you, you know what, if you can give that to yourself, you can give that tenfold to somebody else. Absolutely. So start with you. And then wherever your very healthy self leads you to, um, being open to those opportunities. And then also not discounting right. uh, opportunities because of, again, because of the outward trappings. Yeah. And it maybe doesn't fit with your physical or your uh, mental picture, although maybe it fits on all the other areas. Right. So I know I would. If there was a guy who wasn't melanated but checked all the other boxes except that, I would probably consider it. However... Part of the reason why I'm attracted to you is not just your melanation, but it's your culture, it's your swag, it's mm -hmm. your essence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't really see that being in another man unless he was raised in that culture so that he could develop that swag and that essence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't really see that it's possible. So all right. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us in the Queen's Chambers, cuties. Welcome to the queen scene. Queen scene. Queen scene. Queen scene. Today in our queen scene, I just want to reference and have a, give a shout out to Vashti Harrison. We talked about her in the Queen's Chambers, and she is an author, illustrator, filmmaker, and she says in her Instagram, I just want to make magic and tell stories. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She's doing such strong work. It's beautiful. I strongly encourage you to reach out and follow her on Instagram. Her images are gorgeous. Yes. Not to mention beautiful examples for, for black girls or anybody who wants inspiration. I need to find out. I don't know if she does, but want to find out to see if she even sells prints. I'd love to have some for my little girl's bedroom. Yes. Oh, they're so beautiful. But the book that we were referencing is a book that was called Little Leaders in Black History. And she has a second book coming out this fall about women around the world in wow. leadership. I'm um, in a board book coming out as well. So check out Vashti Harrison right now. She's also taking pre-orders on her book for October. So if you want to get in early and even get a head start on Christmas, I know it's only April. Yes. <laughs> but if you pre-order the book now, it will come to you in October. So you won't have to scramble and find find it when it does release. Ooh, I think I'm going to get it for my nieces, actually. Yeah. I got some sweet two little sweet nieces that would have really um, loved this book. So that's who I've got, Vashti Harrison. Check her out. We'll link her to her information in the show notes. 
So I want to highlight a friend that I've known since about 20 and we used to work together at Best Buy. Shout out to LaToya Taylor, aka Sister Nature. She has an amazing holistic tea practice. <laughs> she is a yoga enthusiast. Um, and she calls herself a tea aficionado and a holistic queen. And you can find her at tailormadeholistic.com. Um, I have tried her teas and they are amazing. And all of her teas are organic. And she makes sure all of her sources are quality sources. Um, so check out her website. But I just really want to highlight her in reference to this episode because she is a beautiful, awakened woman, and she always seeks to be positive and to bring awareness. Um, and she was the one who posted a couple weeks ago about black men needing to find their courage. And I know I kind of shared it with you and I had you watch that video, uh, I think last week when we were together, Deidre, mm -hmm. about black men needing to, to find their courage. Mm -hmm. And so... She inspires me. LaToya, if you're listening, you inspire me. And I'm glad that you're like walking in your power, in your queendom and doing your thing because you're awesome. So check her out on Instagram. She's at Sista Nature. But I will put all the links to her website, to her Instagram and Facebook. And she also has a support group for women in business in this area. So if you're in this area and you want to be in her support group, I will link that as well. So thanks, cuties, for joining us in the queen scene. <laughs> <laughs> and just as we wrap up this episode, we'd like to let you know where you can find us. You can find us at your favorite podcast app. And you can find us on Instagram at the queen team podcast. You can also find us at our website at thequeenteampodcast.com and on Gmail if you want to reach out and drop us a line at thequeenteampodcast at gmail.com. And we strongly encourage all of our listeners if they have the opportunity and like what they hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And we just want to give a little shout out to Mommy Hall. We hey, are Mommy Hall. Hey, Mommy. We're hey, cutie. Mm -hmm. We hear you and we see you. Thank you so much for leaving us a review. If you'd like to follow suit, Feel free to do so too, cuties. And Jay Nicole, where can our listeners find you? Where can those cuties check you out? You can find me on Instagram at love to be you. And the love is spelled L-U-V and also at the same handle on YouTube. Well, we hope you ladies have a fabulous week and we'll see you next time. Bye, cuties. Bye, cuties. I don't know. A lot of people are like, I hate to hear the sound of my own voice, but no, I don't. I, don't I like it. Yeah. No, it's I interesting to me because I don't, it doesn't sound like how I think I sound. Yes. Yes. You know, I and then I'm like, that. that's what I sound like. Mm -hmm. Is that how people perceive me? I don't know. Right. I mean, and I'm like, if this is how people perceive me, then I'm pretty hot. I mean, I'm sexy. look at you, girl. <laughs> look at you. Though I don't mind listening to the sound of my voice either. And not that I want well, to Well, how could you? Talk. You're, you were like, you were born out of the crotch of a radio. You know what I mean? Like, stop. Oh Even God. your laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
comes out of the radio crotch. Hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious.